You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In this episode, Candace and Cher process what it means to have grief and loss coming from complex childhood trauma. They invite you to reflect on your own journey with grief. Was it either shut down or was it all consuming in your family of origin? No matter what it looked like back then, your grief can still be processed today with those who know how to offer good and compassionate care. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candice. Good to see you. Good to see you today, too. Yeah. We just had our discussion before the discussion. So good. You know, I love how we're immersed in these concepts, really, but how good it is to just discuss them and how many things come up that I think for both of us, we're like, oh, yeah, I need to think about that or I want to take another look at that or it's just so good to be in this process of processing our trauma out loud, (laughs) but for how we are continuing to be in the context of the healing process and Mm -hmm. how comfortable we are being here. And, And I love doing this with you. And it's just so good. Yeah, I love that too. And we mentioned this early on that we process these conversations weekly off of the podcast, right? And even before we started this, we had been doing that frequently for about a year. Yeah. Which leads me into something I want to share about our hope for this podcast for our listeners. And we've named this several times just as we've talked through it. But our hope is that our topics and our conversations will just provoke curiosity. Yep. Because everything that we use as tools or our stories may not specifically apply and that's okay. But is there something that we have used on our healing journey or a topic that we've discussed that would just make someone go, Hmm, you know, like for instance, our attachment style podcast, I've heard from a few people that it provoked a curiosity, like, huh, I wonder what my attachment style is. And and did it come from some wounding in my childhood? Yeah. And then how curiosity can stir up courage to move toward discovery. Mm. And then as we discover, there are insights, and then there might also be stories that we need to work through because as we discover, then we might find, ooh, something did happen there that was hard and that matters. So it's it's a process and yeah. it's a beautiful process. And some of it feels glorious and wonderful and, you know, revelatory and others can feel harder and more difficult. And then even sometimes require us to ask for help and to say, hey, I'm diving into something here where I'm not sure how to go through it. And it feels hard and I need help. And that's like, we bless that so much too. like, get help because Mm -hmm. it's not an easy path but it is such a worthy path. Mm-hmm. Well, and for the most part, historically, it is going to be countercultural at times, especially within a family system that asking for help was exposing a weakness. Yeah. And so we, we want to normalize as much as we can first in our own bodies mm. to say, I need help. And we want that to go out to our friends and yeah. our family. And then to our culture and our communities and the world that 
it's okay to need help. Because, and today we're going to talk about grief, when we have not been able to ask for help, and as a culture, our generations past, often there wasn't the freedom or the invitation or even the help available, readily available. There wasn't the ability to process when even very significant wounds occurred. There had to be just a pressing down or a trying to escape. And we've said so many times how grateful we are to be living in an age where there is so much help readily available. It's good to not have to press down when things emerge, like we can move toward it differently. I'm glad. Well, there's a recognition of how much help we're needing. Yeah. Just how much help we're really needing in different ways, right? Yeah. And so more helpers and healers are emerging as they're doing their own healing work. Yeah. And just noticing that they're they're also being called into these arenas of wanting to give people hope. And speaking of hope, that's that's really what we want to talk about today in terms of what does it mean to have wounds resurface that cause grief coming from a history of having complex childhood trauma. And so I'm just going to take a few minutes and explain a lot of times what can happen for us as we become adults and we, we don't even really know what to do with grief. And for a child, the idea of grief, okay, so let, let's just start out with a young child. And we talked about this. If a child is like four or five or six, maybe younger, and they have a dog, and this is actually personal, this happened to me. I had a dog. So I'll just, I'll just talk about me for a second. (laughs) Go for it. I had a dog and that dog was one of my closest companions. And I came home from school one day and the dog was gone. Well, I was able to have the cognitive ability to know that, okay, these feelings that I'm feeling are connected to that. I once had a dog and now I don't have a dog. It was a loss that my brain was able to understand why. But when it comes to complex childhood trauma in the way and form of a parent or a caregiver, not being attuned to a child like the ability to see them, move towards them and understand their inner world, soothe them, help bring safety and security. A young child does not have the cognitive ability to know that's what they need. Now their body is aware that something doesn't feel good. And I've got these things happening in my body that's causing my nervous system to either be super elevated or shut down. And so what happens for that child is they, they, they can't name their grief. They don't know what they should have had and they don't have, but mm-hmm. it is a loss for that child. And so what happens for the child is their relationship with grief becomes how they deal with however their parent or caregiver deals with grief. So if their parent or caregiver, let's say, and and we're going to look at this from two, two sides of the spectrum here. We have a parent or caregiver that is just drowning in grief and sorrow and depression, or we have a parent or caregiver who has completely cut themselves off from grief 
and has instead denied, minimized, and I'll even say life is all rainbows and unicorns. Mm -hmm. So the house may be burning down to the ground, but it's all okay. We'll just go move into the homeless shelter. Okay. So there's no context for that child to feel safe, to bring whatever is true for them in their own bodies. And so as we age, we tend to, you know, stay in those patterns. I will say that a child will either align with the parent to feel safe. So let's just say I have a mom that's super depressed and drowning in her grief. And a child learns if I align with this grief, I feel more connected. But it could also be true that if the child says, it's better that I don't align and I try to be the comforter, I try to not feel the grief to to somehow help them, then they're going to deny grief, right? And try to to be more positive. So whatever that looks like for you, and you, you may have to just stop for a minute and say, huh, what was that like for me? Like if we're starting to recognize like, yeah, you know, I would have named that I had a wonderful childhood, but I had a dog die. My parents divorced. Maybe I was abused. And, and we realized where, where did grief play out in those contexts of very deeply sad and situations that had so much loss. So I know that's a lot what I just shared. And I'm just curious of maybe what that was like for you as a child. Yeah, such good information, Candace. Thanks for talking through that. For me, I did have one parent. My mom was, I would say, more buried by her grief. It, It flooded her, I think, and she did feel very sad going through life. My dad was the opposite, very optimistic, very driven, very work hard and get what you want in life. So the way that I handled grief was I completely shut off from it. That wasn't safe. I did not believe that it was safe in my world to to feel sad. And, and even as a matter of fact, it really even wasn't allowed. So as I came into adulthood, that's how I did life. I didn't feel sad. I didn't cry. I didn't have that ability even to hold those kind of difficult emotions. So I would go through life pretty much as the optimist who just, you know, I cared about people and I cared about their wounds and their heaviness. And I was actually very drawn to people who carried that like probably like I did for my mom. And I wanted to help. I had a very strong desire to want to help. But mostly what I was trying to do is help them not feel what they felt. Right. I didn't know how to help somebody process because I had never even gotten in touch with my own grief. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm curious now that you are in touch with your own grief, what, what has that looked like for you in being with other people? I think for me, the process of getting in touch with my own grief has been for sure, it has come as the result of being able to tell my stories and to be joined by 
witnesses who met me there and helped me even process and helped me even go deeper into what I felt. Because at first I was, yep, here's my story, blah, 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 blah. And to see the reactions of other people even, and then to be invited to go deeper into the particularities was so important for me. And as I have become more comfortable with my grief, and my emotions. And I I even said to you earlier, like, I really love the feelings of grief. Now, Mm -hmm. when I feel sadness, or when I feel anger over injustice, and it brings tears, and it brings the awareness of loss, either past or present. I I like that feeling. It's it's something that was foreign to me for so long. And so now when I'm aware of it, it's like, oh, I, I'm drawn to get closer to it, which then makes such a huge difference in the way that I can draw closer to others in their grief too, right? Grief does not scare me. Grief to me feels so worthy. Mm-hmm. That we would turn our attention toward it with curiosity, with courage, with discovery to find out what is it that's really there and then go start to peel back layers and find out what is there that I'm recognizing now, either in the emotions or even in the even in the sensations in my body that are connected to grief. I'm so grateful that I have become friends with grief. Mm. Yeah, that's just so good. I I appreciate that I have been able to witness that journey with you and and how much it's helped me too just to recognize and my so my tendency would be to power up and power over grief. Mm-hmm. And if I just stay busy or start something new or I mean my goodness, my my dad was one of the deepest losses I've ever experienced. And I, you know, started something new right after he passed away, focused on grief, but I hadn't really stayed long enough in my own grief process, you know, in a way that got me to the point that you have gotten, you know, this, this was several years ago where I really befriended it. It, you know, it just makes me think of going back to my childhood and just listening to you talk, I, I kind of relate to the the same thing about, you know, how your mom was and learning how to eventually kind of comfort other people, but in a way that like, if I can just bring some positivity in here, yeah. I can help them feel better. Yeah. If I can just bring some positivity into my life, I can make myself feel, feel better, which AKA for me meant numbing out in some way, right? Right. Like this journey of moving away from grief feeling fatal, or let's even name having deep grief means failure. Mm. We, we didn't even say that when we were processing, but that just popped into me. Yeah. Do you feel like you're failing if you're grieving? And I don't know, that feels significant. And I think I'm connecting it to my story a little bit because being in cultures and contexts where if we can just say some things and listen to the right music, we can get ourselves out of those quote negative feelings. Yeah. And I will say that I have a friend who will send me these songs sometimes that. I started to notice something that they were songs that kind of 
made me start to feel grief. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute. There are some people who have to be helped into feeling their grief. Yeah. And I'm raising my hand. So if you're watching on YouTube, that would be me. That would yeah. be Cher. She just raised her hand. Yeah. And there are some people who need to be entered into that space and helped move through with hope that, that this isn't fatal. We have to know our own stories, right? Mm-hmm. To process what, what's more healthy for me to go ahead and sit longer and letting my grief come so I can experience comfort and more healing? Or do I need someone that can gently move me back towards hope and a future? Mm. And that this is painful as hell and you're not alone in it and you still have meaning and purpose in your life. So it it just takes some slowing down first to understand our own stories, because I really think that we will show up with people in the way that has helped us and we will miss them because that's not the way that it will help them. Yeah, so good. And I think sometimes we we talked earlier about what do you, what do you do when all of a sudden grief shows up from something that was a very old wound and even catches you a little bit off guard or unaware. Recently, I was talking with someone and I, I, as a matter of fact, almost immediately when we started talking, I started to weep. And she said, what are your tears? And I said, I don't know. The more we talked, the more I wept and she drew near and she began to get curious and ask some questions. And little by little, I was able to uncover the source because there wasn't fear. There wasn't shame. I was able to be friendly with what I was feeling and I felt very secure and very seen. I was able to discover where this grief was coming from decades old grief that came up in in the context and why did it come up that day I'm not sure I mean I can see, I can see now some things that did provoke it and invite it to come forward but I wasn't even aware in that moment that I was feeling grief but as we talked about it I was able to discover it move toward it and be so gentle and kind with these young places Mm-hmm. where I did experience difficulties and harm and loss and there wasn't care in the context of those moments in time. But now I can bring the care and the healing comes and it's it's good. It's really a good place to be. It's such a good place to be, which I want to circle back around to what we started with is that sometimes our journeys can feel confusing, but actually look confusing if we don't understand that when we start to name and recognize that we had this loss in childhood, right? Really the loss of being a child. We don't name that as a child, but when we are able to start to see like, oh, so here we are in our 40s, 50s, 60s, and all of a sudden we're getting this truer story, this truer information. And so we start to grieve and then we hear a message. Aren't you over that yet? Over it yet? 
I'm just starting, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Right. I, I it it just it won't make sense unless you do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I love that. And it's like, yes, we're just getting started. And I liked what you said about we experience losses that we didn't even know were losses. And I want to just sit there for a second with you. And I wonder if we can unpack this a little bit. What does it mean to have lost our childhood? Mm-hmm. Let's just put some words around that, because I think a lot of people who experience childhood trauma, this is huge. I don't think it's talked about a lot, but what are some of the things that come up for you when you think about losing a childhood? So I'll just start by naming two things that I think when we are parentified. So if as a child, we have to play the role of a parent to bring comfort to one of our other parents or to be that helper that is always there. So if we are parentified. The other thing is if we are triangulated. So if one of our parents draws us closer to them physically and emotionally than they are to their other their other significant adult or adults. If they draw closer to us, we have to play roles in both triangulation and being parentified. We have to play roles that we are not equipped to as a child. Mm-hmm. And so we lose our innocence, we lose our freedom, we lose our playfulness because we have to carry these heavy roles. What are some other aspects of losing our childhood that come to your mind? Well, I want to just say that I love that you brought parentification and triangulation up and they're huge topics. We will have individual episodes yep. on each one of those. Yep. But what I want to just say right now, it's going to be very, it's not going to be a lot of information because what I want to say is go back. I'm inviting our listeners to just do some of their own research on what is normal, healthy childhood development. Mm. What is a child capable of? What is a child not capable of? And there's so much information out there now about how we have expected children to actually show up in ways that they are not capable of. I I don't know why this just popped up into my mind, but let's just say this. A plant needs rooted and grounded in good soil with water and sunshine to grow. And when a child is not getting that, they're not going to grow. They're going to, I mean, honestly, a child will die without food, but a child that's not getting healthy, emotional and mental attunement, there's parts of them that get cut off and, and kind of die emotionally. I don't think that answers your question specifically. There, there's just so much there. And, and I think look up birth to 18 months or birth to 12 months and then go one to two years. You know, my, my daughter just got her master's in early childhood development. So we have these conversations all the time because I have a grandson who's, who's 18 months and she's trying to really understand what does an 18 month old need? What does an 18 month old need? And, and so that, that's just one way we can get a greater understanding of what, what we didn't get. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't get that, what did we get? 
If we needed tenderness, did we get tenderness or did we get har- harshness? Mm-hmm. Did we get help when we had had needs or did we get demands? Mm. Were we allowed space to play and to rest and to be delighted in? Mm-hmm. Or were we pushed into roles or work or showing up to take care of adults in our world? Mm-hmm. Well, and that makes me think when we look at our child, right? Just because they can do something sometimes yep. doesn't mean they should. Yeah. Just because they do have some abilities, yep. it's just not their role or their job at that point. Because we do, we do want to raise children who can turn around and offer back true love and compassion out of a place of being filled up, mm. not out of a place of trying to stay safe and connected. Yeah. So good. And I think just as we wind down, something is jumping out at me. And I want to say this to our listeners, because I think this is, this is one of several things probably, but one of the things that we desperately need as a child is to be delighted in. Mm. And I think this can be a really good thing to ask yourself, who delighted in you? What did that look like? What were the words? What were the facial expressions? How did you feel when you were delighted in? And as you ask yourself that, and as you stay in that space for a little bit, what if there's loss there? What if you can't remember feeling delighted in or that nobody's face lit up when you walked into the room? There's grief there. There's loss there. There's harm there. So take a look at that, that aspect of delight. That alone will, will shine a very bright light on this topic that we're talking about today. And Candice, I know that we will come back to this because this is... Grief is such a huge topic when it comes to childhood trauma, but this was good, such a good space today to just share some things that are so important with our listeners. So, so good to be with you. Good to be with you too, Cher. I love you. I love you too, friend. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.